We are saved from not being in a relationship with our Heavenly Father to being in relationship with Him. It's very important that the main point is not to try and avoid hell. We're not getting saved to just not go to hell. It's stepping into a loving, intimate, personal relationship with the one who formed each of us, who knitted us together in our mother's womb, who wrote a scroll for your life, who sings over you rejoices over you, smiles over you, will never leave you nor forsake you, and will never let you be put to shame. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church message of the week. Love Key Church is a local expression of a part of the body of Christ with a focus on creating a place, opportunity, and atmosphere through worship music and the word where people can encounter God, align with his purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, Valetta, and our four children, we recently launched Love Key Church right here in Somerset West. Enjoy the message. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to you. Thank you so much. God bless you as you listen to this word. I love the sound. I love the sound in the house, the sound of laughter, the sound of joy, the sound of people loving on each other. That's really awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. God is good all the time. I, <laughs> I am so blown away by, by what I'm seeing here today and hearing and, and feeling in the spirit. Um, and I, it just makes me so excited. Thank you for coming. How many of you guys are church hoppers by, by, by profession? <laughs> no, I, um, my prayer is that you find the spiritual home where God wants you to be. I always tell people, I think there, there are a few big life decisions that when people say how they came to that decision and that process didn't include God, I always find that it's quite funny. And that's... You know, how you spend your life on earth, obviously. Secondly, it's the church that you belong to. The wife you choose or the spouse you choose, how many kids you should have and what you should do for a living. When, when they go, yeah, you know, I thought, I was like, whoa, that's not a good place to start. You should start with God, what do you want? What church should I belong to? Who's my wife? How many kids should we have? Not what's in my bank balance and then I decide I'll have one. Because <laughs> we can't choose that way. So my only invitation would be, uh, obviously, we would love the more the merrier. Everyone's welcome at this church, absolutely. But if, you, if God says this is your church, I want to ask you, commit, stay, tell us about it. Um, a lot of people say, I, I was at this church and I just felt like a number. I know, that can, that can unfortunately easily happen. But one way to not be a number is to come and say hi. And I will try to say hi to everybody. But it's hard to get to everybody, always. But we will do our utmost to do that. But we want you to know that you are welcome and that you are part of this family and we love you and we appreciate you. And I especially want to just thank all the people that have been helping, uh, serving on Sunday mornings, especially the team. We get in here at 7.30, we unpack. Everything you see here was not here at 7.25. And <laughs> so that we can do this. And uh, afterwards we pack up again and it's, it's one of the reasons we also are trusting God for the venue next door so that we don't have to do that every Sunday. But 
Um, I want to honor you guys. Thank you guys for doing that. Thank you so much. Also want to honor and thank Jill and Ben who are helping us with the Kids Church. That's an amazing mission that they have. They have a heart for kids and they're doing such a great job. If you also have such a heart, please knock on their door and say, hey, I want to help. Because um, they may not be here every week or be able to be here every week. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's enough announcements for now. If you, if you were here last week, you would know that um, I believe God wants us to, wanted us to start a series on foundations. We are now starting to become a, a bit of a spiritual family, and we all need to be on the same page. And that page should be from this book. Um, and so I believe God wants us to go through words that we easily throw around as Christians, but not necessarily understand the full weight of it, the full meaning of it. Because when I say a word about what I believe, I should, I should have the full weight of that word really come through. Why are words important? That's quiet. Wow. <laughs> words are important because think for a moment, how did God create everything? He spoke. How did he speak us to life? Oh, well, how did he bring us to life? He spoke and he breathed. And he said, we have the power of life and death in our tongue. Speak life. So that's why words are so important. That's why the names we give our children is so important. That's why negative nicknames are so bad. So we are making sure that we know what we believe and making sure that that's what we're carrying across. Some of you are wishing you were at Kids Church now. It's like, that sounds like fun. <laughs> All right. So last week, I framed the reason for the laying of foundation. So if you missed that message, please go listen to it because I went in, into depth on framing why we are doing this. Um, but in summary, I'm going to just tell you what the foundations are and where we are hoping to go by laying those foundations. So our foundations are repentance salvation. Last week we did repentance. Today we're chatting about salvation. You'll see the message title is SOS. <laughs> it's funny to me. Uh, third one is faith. Fourth one is lordship. I actually should have made faith faith. That would have made more sense. Uh, lordship and obedience. Baptism of water. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual family and discipleship. Why are these foundations? Because what we ultimately want to get to is to see that this impacts how we do life. Who are we? So firstly, we want this to impact our identity. I believe at the core of any major issue that anyone has in their life and at any major social issue and social justice issue that we see in our, in our country so much of is an identity crisis. And the biggest identity crisis is when you think you know who you are, but you're wrong. <laughs> and we want to make sure everyone here knows that they are a son and a daughter of God. And what does that mean? We want to, because if you have that in place, then you can be a better partner in your marriage, which is the second thing we want to make sure is in a good, good standing. That also influences how you parent your children. 
It influences how you serve the community. And it influences how you live out your God-given purpose. So, that is where we are heading and where we want to be. How many of you guys want to be in a great place in terms of all those things? I saw about four hands. That's, <clears throat> I would like to see more. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going to quickly summarize what we went through last week and then, and then get into our uh, message for today. Before I do that, let us pray. Lord Jesus, wow, I stand in awe of you. I stand in awe of what you are doing. I stand in awe of these amazing people in front of us today and those who are joining us online. I thank you for what is happening, and I thank you for this moment today. Lord, I give you this moment. I, I, I surrender all to you, and I ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you will lead this message, that you will lead this sermon, that nothing will be spoken that's not of you and of your word. And that the truth will find good soil in every heart that is here, in every mind that is listening, and in every spirit that is ready to receive. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. First thing we need to remember when we're framing this is that we live in a fallen world where man is separated from God due to disobedience and sin. Now, I know that sounds like something you've heard a lot. And it's like, yeah, that's obvious. But the thing about obvious things is we sometimes start assuming, we sometimes start compromising, we sometimes lose why it's so important in the first place to know this. So that's why I'm saying it to us. We live in a fallen world. And it's that way because there was sin which separated man from God. But because God, but because God loves us so much, He provided a way to reconcile us back to Him. And that way is called Jesus Yeshua, the Christ, the Messiah. We all stand before a choice in this life, whether we accept Jesus as the Son of God and believe that He died on a cross for our sins. And that choice has a direct impact on where and how we spend eternity. Either heaven, being in the presence and glory of God forever, or hell, being away from God and in torment forever. We have to know that this stays a reality. It doesn't go away. While we're on this earth and faced with this choice, we are, attacking, we are attacked with lies and evil strategies by the enemy of God and his people. The devil, Satan, Lucifer, he has a few names. The father of lies. He walks around like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. He isn't a roaring lion. He's trying to be one, trying to scare us. But we have the Lion of Judah. Uh, looking for those of the kingdom of God to devour because his mandate is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he knows God's order. He knows God's order is man, woman, marriage, family, work, community. So what does he do? He aims all his main strategies at the men. Either keep them as far away from God as possible or if they do know God, get them to fall and fall away. He knows that when the men are taken out, their wives and children are wounded and then easy targets for a litany of lies that will cripple their identity, self-worth, and therefore their futures. If they don't find healing in Jesus, the cycle just continues generation to generation. And I think you will agree with me, we see this in our world. Generations of hurt 
guilt, shame, brokenness. We cannot keep, hap- this cannot keep happening on our watch. We need to establish strong foundations rooted in the word of God that our lives can stand upon firmly so that when the storms come, not if, when they come, we will not be shaken. In the name of Jesus, I call the marriages in this church blessed. In the name of Jesus, I call them healed, strong, and thriving. In the name of Jesus, I call the families in this church healed, strong, and thriving. Amen? Amen. That's where we're heading. I didn't get to all my repentance notes last week. I initially thought I was going to struggle to, to fill a sermon about repentance, and I actually struggled to get to everything. So I have a bit of a summary and a continuation because it's really important to understand this properly before we head into salvation. Repentance goes before salvation. Repentance precedes salvation. A revelation, which is a strong and profound realization that we are sinners in need of a Savior, precedes repentance. So there needs to be this moment where I have a realization, the light goes on, and it's normally through a massive encounter with God, or the love of God, or the presence of God, or something happens that you go, whoa, this, where I was going is not where I should be going. And yeah, The knowing that I indeed need saving and cannot save myself. The humility it takes, the awareness, and then the choice to do something about it, it's all a part of the repentance moment. Agreed? Thank you. We cannot look at all scripture in context and think that salvation without repentance is possible. I really believe this very strongly. When we believe in Jesus, when we call upon his name, we do so because we do not just believe in his existence, but we believe in who he is and what he has done. Amen? Therefore, we stop believing in ourselves or whatever we thought was going to save us, and we start believing in Jesus as the one who saved me from my sin and the wrong direction I was heading in. That's why I believe. The reason I'm saying this, for those who weren't here last week, is because there are, there's a school of thought in the Christian community that you can be saved without repenting. But that's a misunderstanding of repentance. Repentance is not just feeling sorry. That's, it's not only that. That is the worldly definition of repentance. The biblical definition of repentance I went into at length last week, so please go listen to that. But in summary, it's about making a 180 about turn from the direction you were going to Jesus. If you say, I believe Jesus, it, mean, it doesn't mean I just believe in his existence. It means I believe he is who he says he is. And if, he, if I believe he says he is who he says he is, then I believe I need him because I need a savior and he is my savior. So I believe in him and I stop believing the other stuff I was believing. Okay, are you with me? According to 2 Corinthians, there are two types of sorrows. We didn't really get into this last week, so I want to point this out. There's two types of sorrows according to this verse. Godly sorrow, and it says, that leads to repentance and salvation. And a worldly sorrow that leads to death. The godly sorrow is the one where I really realize how much of a sinner I am and how much in need of a Savior I am. It is 
It is a realization of my, how much I need Him and a realization of, man, my life is a mess. It's both. But it's a real change. Because what worldly sorrow does, and you've, I mean, we've, we've done this to each other. People do this to each other. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, okay? You're not really sorry. This is one of the biggest lessons we're constantly trying to teach our children when they are angry at each other. We make them look at each other and say, for me, yes, Yammer. Tell them you're sorry. They go, actually, I'm sorry. And then the other brother goes, you're not really sorry. <laughs> it happens. But we do that as adults as well. You can see if someone's really sorry, right? So this, in a much more important way, is what we're talking about here. When I repent, am I truly deeply sorrowful that I went against the will of my father. And there are two types of repentances or repentance. Say, the, it's the main one that we go through before we step into a relationship with Jesus. That is the main big one. I repent from the life I was heading to, to you. The second type of repentance is the one we have to do on a regular basis. Because in our process of sanctification, as we grow as Christians in God, there will be days when we sin. The question is, how do we deal with that moment? It is not something we can just sweep under the rug and go, ah, it's fine, I'm forgiven. Everything was taken care of on the cross. Yes, it was. But if you have that blasé, an approach to what Jesus did on the cross, then we need to actually talk about whether you're really saved. So you might still need to go through the first repentance. And that is not condemnation. That is just pointing out something very important. Sin is still sin. We need to recognize it, admit it, repent. And God says in 1 John 4, I am faithful. I am faithful to forgive if you repent your sins. Amen? James 5 says... Confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. It's a, it's a process. But we need to know that that, that that is repentance. I spoke about David last week that he was a man after God's own heart, not because he was perfect, but because he was repentant towards God if he did mess up. Amen? Amen. Other thing I told you guys was, it's really important, is repentance is not condemnation. It is conviction. Condemnation leads to guilt and shame and moves you away from God while conviction humbles us and brings us closer to God so that we can grow in Him. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? The key to all of this is relationship. If we truly love God, if we truly know how much He loves us and we choose to love Him back, we will gladly surrender our lives and give up our old one. Because with him, it's so much better. And if we do have an old man hiccup, like I call it, because your old man died with Jesus. But every now and again, you're like, how did that happen? You're like, shucks, I don't want to be that guy. That guy's dead. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I move away from that, and I move back to you. The quicker we do that, the quicker we stay with God. But when the enemy sees you doing something like that, he's going to come and say, see, you haven't really changed. And he brings the guilt and the shame. And then what do you do? You try to hide from God like Adam and Eve. You can't hide from God. 
But we do that. We're like, I can't really be with him right now. I sinned. Uh, I'm going to wait a couple of days till I haven't sinned for a few days. And then, you know, I'll be right with him again. What are you doing? You're not your own savior. And you're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I know what I'm talking about because I've done it. But God has set us free from that. We don't have to live that way. In relationship. In relationship. But this is the thing. If, we, if you really are in a relationship where you love, will you keep constantly looking for loopholes? And how can I get around this sin? And how can I get around that? And how can I make this work? So, you know, so I'm still going to heaven, but I'm you know, doing what I want. Is that love? That's rebellion. And we need to be serious about that. All right. Does everyone feel like they understand repentance now? Does everyone, anyone feel like repenting quickly? All right. There's healing, brother. There's healing. So we're going to talk about salvation. The title is SOS. Why do you think it's SOS? What does SOS stand for? Does anyone know? <laughs> well done. I should have consulted with you about this message. That's a good line. Most people know this as save our souls or save our ship. And typically is a, is a sign of um, looking for help and for distress. Yeah. And the reason I've chosen this is because I think a lot of people don't realize how bad your situation is without Jesus. It's so easy to get in a comfort zone, to get in a comfort zone of not believing at all, to get in a comfort zone of a, being a cultural Christian where, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. I used to go to church. I know there's a God, but there's no relationship and there's no conversion. There's no repentance. There's just, I do what I want. And, and you don't actually realize in how much distress you're in. But we need to talk about salvation. What, is, what, is, what does someone want that is setting up the SOS? They want salvation. They want to be saved. So when you say SOS, what has already happened? You're in trouble and you know it. You know you're in trouble. Right? <laughs> okay. So, we need to talk about the definition of biblical salvation. You won't believe it, but I actually found one on Wikipedia uh, for Christian salvation. <laughs> they say it's the saving of human beings from sin and its consequences, which include death and separation from God by Christ's, by Christ's death and resurrection and the justification following this salvation. That's a pretty good definition, I believe. It comes from the Latin word salvatio which is a state of being saved or protected from harm or a dire situation. In religion and theology, salvation generally refers to the deliverance of the soul from sin and its consequences. That's important. There are consequences to sin that we also get free from when we step into salvation. Other ways to describe it is delivered, redeemed, set free, cleansed, Made new. Life instead of death. 
We also hear that we're a brand new creation. This is something that's actually a sermon on its own, but I just want to jump into this quickly. We need to know that when we become a brand new creation, we go back to our original design that God actually had for us from the beginning. How do I know this? If you read Genesis 1, Ephesians 1, and Psalms 139 together, you realize that God had a plan for all of us before the foundation of the earth. How is that possible? Because we are all spirit first. And we were there at the beginning. So when we got born, we got a body and a soul, and that was in this world, and we were born into the sinfulness of this world. When we get born again, our spirit man comes alive. And that is the new creation we become. Amen? Amen. It's very important to realize we are saved from not being in a relationship with our Heavenly Father to being in relationship with Him. It's very important that the main point is not to try and avoid hell. We're not getting saved to just not go to hell. It's stepping into a loving, intimate, personal relationship with the one who formed each of us, who knitted us together in our mother's womb, who wrote a scroll for your life, who sings over you, rejoices over you, smiles over you, will never leave you nor forsake you, and will never let you be put to shame. All those things are scripture that I just said. That is the kind of father that we step into relationship with on the other side of salvation. So it's not just, oh, I don't want to go to hell. Let's not talk about where you're not going. Let's talk about where you are going. Amen. Come on. <laughs> the original sound of Jesus' name is actually more close to Yeshua. And I have a picture of how his name was written. I think it's there. That is how Jesus, go to the previous one. That is how his name would have been written in Aramaic. And go to the next one. This is how his name was written in Hebrew. Now go to the next one. Now look at how Yeshua and salvation, if you look at the first part, Hebrew you read from right to left. Look at the first part, Yeshua and salvation. And on that side, the Aramaic equivalent. Right in the name is our Savior. It's based, oh, I don't want to go into all the unnecessary detail. The important thing for us to know is that his name, the Yah, the Yeh from Yeshua means God and the Shua means salvation. He's the Lord of our salvation. Christ and Messiah both mean anointed one. So he's the anointed one to save. He's been anointed to save. Amen. It's right there in the name. Every time you say Jesus Christ, you are saying the anointed one who saves. That is why it should upset us when someone uses it as a curse word. And it is really hard to listen to that. <laughs> I know I've said this quite a few times already from last week till now, um, but we need to recognize that we 
Before salvation, we are sinners in need of a Savior. Yes, on the other side of salvation, there's life and life in abundance through Jesus. And we will get to that part. But you can't fully grasp and enter that life if you don't understand repentance and salvation. We need to acknowledge how bad our situation is pre-salvation. How dire and serious it is being sinners who will face God's righteous wrath. If we don't, we will not see the need for salvation. Therefore, we won't see the need for a Savior. Let alone the Savior. Because some people know, hey, I need saving. But they don't go to Jesus. They go to other places or other religions or other things that make them feel saved. Or they just try to avoid the pain of whatever their life has come to. So they grab whatever is their Savior. A drug. A relationship. The wrong kind of whatever you can think of becomes the thing that you think, if I can just do this, it'll save me. It'll make me feel better. Sometimes it's very materialistic. If I can just get that car, I will feel edified. I will feel I have identity. I will feel everyone looks at me and goes, wow, you must be rich. So now I feel like I'm saved from what I was feeling. Why do people abuse drugs? Main reason, trying to avoid pain. What pain? The pain of not knowing who they are. Because why? They have a God-shaped hole in their hearts that only God can fill. And there's this gnawing sensation that doesn't go away until that happens. And they try to deal with it, but they can't. And it's typically people that they don't even have a good relationship with their parents or people around them. So they really feel alone. And they feel like, well, if I'm in a community of people and that's what they're doing and they all look like they're having a good time, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then you're like, if I have that, I feel good. If I have that, I feel better. But then you live from the one high to the next. And that's the same for any addiction. And then the one high is not enough. I need to go higher and higher. Like they say you're in Cape Town, there's only one pill. It's the gospel. If you're in a situation where you don't realize your life is in danger and someone comes along, imagine you're sitting somewhere. Your life is in danger, but you don't know it. You're just chilling. Someone goes, hey, I'm here to save you. You're going to go, you're nuts, dude. Get away. I'm fine. (laughs) Imagine someone floating on a tube on a river. There's this beautiful river scene. People are camping on the side. And there's someone just floating along on a tube. They're having a glass of wine, sunglasses, hat. They're just having a great old time. On the, on the ocean there, ach, on the river. And someone on the side is looking at them and seeing that they've actually drifted away from the safe space and they're heading towards a, a waterfall and jagged rocks. But that person is blissfully unaware. What will you do? What will you do? Pop quiz, hot shot. What will you do? Hopefully, you'll run and scream and try to get their attention and tell them, you're going down a waterfall. And they're probably going to go, hey, cheers. They're like, no, (laughs) you're going to die. Okay. Because you don't know. How many people are busy going through life like that? Blissfully unaware. 
that they're heading for eternal separation from God. And we can see it happening. But are we running to them and saying, did you know? You don't have to go this way. There's a better way. There's a way where you will never feel that way again. Where you'll be the, the, the real person you're supposed to be. When we have the revelation, and if we do realize, admit, and acknowledge that we are sinners heading for an eternity apart from God, and therefore in need of a Savior, and then humbly surrender to God, and accept Jesus as our Savior, then things can change to the exact opposite. And suddenly, all the promises of Scripture gives us an inheritance as children of, is given to us as children of God. And all of that stuff kicks in. Amen? But before that, it doesn't. And that's important to know. You don't get what God gives by default. You don't. Remember what Uncle Angus says. Good people don't go to heaven. Believers go to heaven. And by believers, we mean people who believe in Jesus, who he is, what he did, and how much I need him. Repentance is the first step. Before repentance and the choice to accept Jesus our Savior, we were doomed to a life without God. There is no way to sort of or almost or a little bit be in the kingdom of God. There's no way. You're either in or you're out. Have you ever met people that talk about, yeah, he's a great Christian. He's a big Christian, you know. What does that make you? A small Christian? Half a Christian. Sort of a Christian. My other favorite one is like, yes, you know, my, uh, my relationship with God is a private matter. I don't really share about it. And, and when, when, you, when we read scriptures like I read today before praise and worship, it gets people really uncomfortable. Like, the Bible says you must shout, rejoice, clap your hands and dance before the Lord. Yes, but I'm an introvert. Yes, and yesterday when you were watching the rugby and you were on your feet waving your hands, going crazy, what was that about? You were worshiping 15 men on a field that don't even know you. We have to ask ourselves, what is that gap between me not wanting to obey the Word of God and where I am right now? I believe it is a misunderstanding and a lack of revelation of what really happens with salvation. That's why I'm hammering this point. Because some of us still don't get it. Because if you got it, you'll be dancing on your chair about how God saved you. You're not heading for death. You're heading for heaven with Him. And you can have heaven on earth right now. But no, I have to be cool. I have to look like I've got everything under control. Yeah, I've, I've heard that sermon before. Yeah. Yes, I know I've got that bumper sticker. What would Jesus do? Yeah, it's nice, eh? What would he do? Yeah. 
What are we doing? <laughs> You're young. Amen. That's good. This is why one of the main missions of our church is to shine a light on what I call cultural Christianity. Because it can cause people to think they're heading for heaven when they're actually not. There's another thing that also causes that, and that's a misunderstanding of baptism. And that's one we'll get to. The next point that's very important is you cannot get saved on your own terms. This is very important, guys. Here's a newsflash. Here's a newsflash. You didn't create the world. And you didn't set the order of the world and how things work. Here's another newsflash. You are not sovereign. You are not God. You are not Jesus. Who knows that? Wonderful. Here's another newsflash for you. He, God, has a kingdom that is not of this world. Jesus said so. And it's important to know that it's a kingdom, a kingdom domain, a domain of a king. It's not a democracy. You don't have a vote. He is the king, and you are either the subject that loyally serves him and steps into relationship with him, and through relationship, yes, things start in a, working in a different way. Or you're outside the kingdom's boundaries. You don't have a say in how things are done. We don't have a say. You can have a relationship with the king as your father, but he's in charge. And before you step into relationship, before you are saved, you can only access this ultimate intimate relationship with the one who spoke galaxies into being, while at the same time, he had his son born in a manger. If you surrender your terms, your ideas, your plans, your will, and humbly submit to his glorious ways. Here's a thought. When you send your child to school, or when you start work at a new company, you, or, you, or you start playing for a sports club, there's normally a document that they put in front of you. And they say, here's the rules for this place. If you want to work for this company, if you want to play in this sports club, if you want to have your kid in the school, you need to read the terms and conditions. You need to read the rules of this establishment. You need to sign that you will adhere to these rules and regulations. And you also sign that if I step out of line, I accept what's going to happen to me. I accept the consequences. We gladly do it for our kids' school. We gladly do it when we work for a company. We gladly do it when we go into a sports center or wherever. You buy a phone. You sign a bunch of stuff. You don't even know you're signing. But when we step into the kingdom of God and His Word says, this is how you should live now as a child of God, we go, oh, I don't know if I'm... Can we take this page out? I don't know. Oh, and that verse, that's not a nice verse. I like the one about the promises. Can we, sorry, can I just redact this whole chapter? Because that really makes me uncomfortable. 
Is that really what fornication means? Ah. How dare we? How dare we do that to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who set everything in motion? We sometimes have more respect for a man-made institution than for God's Word. And we have to watch that. We have to watch that. Because what happens is we, we think everyone can get saved. Yes, everyone can. But when you enter the kingdom of God, the old self dies. But what a lot of people try to do is they try to drag a bit of the old self with them. Like, no, this, this is still, you know, this is still an important part of me. Um, this, is, this is my identity. I, can I bring this in here? And then there's other people that tell them, yeah, sure, you know, it's fine. But what they think is their identity is their sinful past that is still latched onto them. And they're not completely free. So they think they can bring this into the kingdom of God and say, hey, look at me. And God's word is very clear. I love you, but I hate sin. I love you, but I hate sin. And that cannot be a part of you anymore. You cannot take the word of God and redact what doesn't make you feel good. And your feelings, however strong they are, about that I want to do this, I want to be like this. When you read what you want to be or what you want to do is against the word of God, the reaction shouldn't be, well, the word of God must be wrong because I really feel strongly about this. But that's what we do. The reaction should be, shucks, I must be wrong. There must be a part of me that hasn't died yet. God, help me. Can I go to my pastor, to my friend, to someone to pray with me, to help me? Can I bring this thing into the light? Can I admit that I'm struggling with this sin? Can I admit that it is sin? If you want to live the way you live and it's not according to the word of God, it's fine. Don't come into the kingdom. Jesus said you must count the cost to be his disciple. I think Jesus was bad for PR. The disciples must have gone, Jesus, the why are you chasing them away? We had 5,000 and then you said one sentence and they all left. Don't you want them to come? It's like, they will come if they really know what they're in for. Just count the cost because you, you die. And everything that, is, that you come from dies. If it doesn't, you're going to live half a Christian life. You can't enter the fullness of what God has for you. Amen? I tried to do that for a long time. I tried to convince myself that the sin, the habitual sin in my life was just a part of who I am. I even used scripture to say, oh, it's, it's a thorn in my side, you know. It's like Paul had a thorn in his side. This is my thorn. I can't get rid of it. But we don't actually know what the thorn in Paul's side was. It could have been anything. But it's not an excuse to live sinful. We need to die to be saved. The old man that we were 
dies in Christ and the new creation is raised with Christ. That's what the word says. The old man includes our culture we were born in. Amen. Who's going to get excited about that? (laughs) Very few people get excited about that part. Yes, culture is beautiful. Language is beautiful. God created it. But every culture has to bow to the word of God. If there's something in your culture that's against the word of God, the same way that if there's a habit or something of you that you bring into the kingdom of God that's not according to this word, it has to go. And yeah, sometimes that's a process. It's a process of sanctification. It's a process of saying, listen, I gave my life to Jesus and I love him. But this thing, I just can't get rid of it. Help me. And someone walks with you and they help you. And eventually you get free. For some people, it's instantaneous. For some people, it takes a while. But be in the battle to get there. Don't give up. Amen. The old man needs to die. All those things have to die and let God bring back to life the new creation, that which he deems good and should stay a part of who you are. Let the rest stay dead. And if they pop up, deal with them by reminding your body and soul that you are actually a new creation in God. Amen. Because yes, God made you the way you are, absolutely. But along the way, you picked up stuff that is not of what he gave you. Or you took what he gave you and you used it for sin. And that has made it a counterfeit of what he gave you. That's why you have to get reborn so that you can live from the fullness and the beautiful original design of who you are. Amen? Am I going too fast? Am I saying too much? Here's an interesting thought that I felt God show me while I was preparing. Being saved by Jesus does not necessarily mean that you will be saved in this world. What do I mean by that? I want you to think of the moment that Joseph had his uncomfortable encounter with Potiphar's wife. He was doing the right thing. He was fleeing sexual immorality, running away, repenting from sin towards God. But what happened in the world to him? He got locked up up for something he did not do. But what do we value more? Do we value God so much that we are willing to go through that kind of public embarrassment? if we know that we're standing on the word of God. And here's another thought that kind of lines up with that. Acts 5, verse 40 to 42. The disciples were preaching Jesus, and the Jews were very upset about it. And they called them in, and they said to them, you can't preach this anymore. And there was one guy who said, listen, hey, if they are for real, and this is from God, we will be foolish to stop them. Let it just, You know, Peter out, like all the other guys who came along and said, they're the Messiah. Nothing happened. Let it just, you know, kind of. So they said, okay, we'll do that. And they said to them again, don't speak about Jesus. And they beat them all with rods and send them out. Listen to this. So they departed from the presence of the council, the disciples, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. <laughs> jy word gevoeter met stokke en jy stap uit bly 
Can you wrap your brain around that for a moment? That's a hard thing to read in our comfortable, convenient Christian lives. Very uncomfortable. Am I willing to take a beating for what I believe and then get excited about it? I'm being persecuted. Woohoo! We laugh, but why do we laugh? Because it's this should be normal. And then it says, and daily in the temple in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus. <laughs> I love it. All right. I'm going to have to say to be continued. I still had a lot to go through. I think what I will do is do three of the verses that I had in mind to still do, and then we'll continue with the rest next week because I see it's already half past 11. Are you having fun with me with this? Okay, at least. All right. All right, so I think I have about 20 scriptures, <laughs> but we'll just do the first three. And then we'll, we'll continue next week. All right. The first point from the first scripture is God is able to save you. It sounds weird to say, but I think some people think my situation is so bad. I don't think I can be saved or I don't think God wants to save me. Has anyone felt like that before? I've, I've talked to people who think they're not worthy to be saved by God. And it's, not, it's a lie. Isaiah 59, verse 1 to 2. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. So what needs to happen? Repentance. <laughs> the next verse is to say, on the other side of salvation is not just freedom, but power. And influence. How many of you guys want to see God move through your life in this world to change the world for his kingdom? <laughs> Mark 16, verse 15 to 18. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? These miraculous signs will accompany you. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Are you a believer? These miraculous signs will follow your life. If they don't, it's not because you don't believe. It's maybe because you don't believe enough. And it's maybe because you just have to step out in faith and start trying. Not everyone I pray for gets healed, but I keep trying. We have driven out demons before. I've seen that happen. It's real. And it's freaking exciting to know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I'm like, go, 
in Jesus' name. I once encountered a very clever little demon who said to me, who's Jesus? There's millions of Jesuses in South America. Who's Jesus? I said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get out. Whoop, went. This is very real. This should be normal. Why is it not normal? I want you to think quickly. If you, some of you sat through many hours of teaching in your life, right? You've listened to many sermons, read a lot of Bible, right? If all of us, with everything we've learned, if we have applied half of what we've learned, how would this world look? Just imagine that for a moment. It's easy to sit here and five of you say amen, glory. The rest just goes, I don't know. (laughs) I'm kidding. It's easy to sit here, listen and get excited for a moment. But what do we do about it? How do we apply this to our lives so that heaven emanates from our presence wherever we go? We are carriers of heaven. When we step into salvation, it should show in our lives. It should show in how we speak, in how we speak to each other, in how we love our spouses, in how we raise our children, in how we treat people that drive in front of us. It should show. The next one. A very well-known one. I I took a different translation just so that it sounds a bit different to you than normal because this is one of those things you hear so many times it becomes nothing, you know. Salvation is available because God loves us so much. John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. I tried to put too much of an emphasis on belief, so I did too. Believes. I'm going to try that again. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, will not perish, will not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, I'm going to do one more. When... You repent, when we repent, when any one of us repents, and if we are saved, you become a completely new being. Not a better version, not a better version, a new being. You step into the original design God has for you, as I said earlier. 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become has become a new person or creation. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. You're in it. If you've decided, you're in it. You don't have to look back. He's dead. Remember that thing of the Hebrew Hebrew word for repenting? Sheen bait. It means burn down the house. You burn down the house of the old man. And you're walking in the freedom of the new man. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Let us stand together. Lord Jesus, 
Holy Father, God Almighty, our Savior, the Lord, our Savior. Lord, we humbly come before you in this day. Your word has spoken and your word has spoken clearly. Oh, I'm so overwhelmed by your presence, your love, your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Lord, my, my, my prayer is that every word that was spoken here today, every truth that was shared will fall on fertile soil in every heart that is listening right now. That it will not be another sermon, not just another message, but that something was kick-started right now in this, in this day, in these people's lives. That will make us think different, operate different, treat others differently, love our spouses better, love our children better. Why? Because we have been saved. Our new lives have begun. We are free of sin. We are free of bad habits. We are free of our cultural um, restrictions. We come to you humbly, Lord Jesus, and we give our lives to you. We surrender to you. If there's anyone in this house today or online that realize, I have never given my life to Christ with like this is saying like this sermon is saying like the words of God is saying I've just been a cultural Christian or maybe you've never heard the gospel before I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus right now if that's you just raise your hand or send us a, a hand sign on the on the online thing and say this that's me that's me if that's you just pray after me Lord Jesus I give you my life. I choose to follow you. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for canceling my sin and the consequences of my sin. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life and I turn to you. I choose to worship you, honor you, and live for you for the rest of my life. Jesus, I am yours. Thank you for saving me from certain death. And thank you for giving me life and life in abundance and freedom. I receive it and I choose to live it in Jesus' name. If anyone here or online says, listen, that's me. I, I'm saved. I'm born again, but I'm struggling with this thing or that thing or some bad habit or some addiction. I just can't seem to get free of this thing. If you're, if you're willing, please put up your hand. Because every eye is closed. Just give us some sign online. Say, so that's me. I'm struggling with this thing. I want to ask you to pray this after me as well. Lord Jesus, I love you. I put you first. But I still struggle with this one thing. And you can even name that thing right now in your life. Lord, I pray that you will help me to step in the fullness of who I am in you.
to help me to keep my eyes on you. Lord, whatever is the wound behind this habit, show it to me. Show me that moment where the wound came in that made me believe I'm not worthy, I'm not worth it. Let God show you right now. And then you take that wound, that moment in time, and just see yourself laying it before God. And say, Lord, by your stripes, I am healed. You say that where two or more are gathered, you are there, and if they agree on a matter, it will be so. Jesus, I give you this wound. I ask that you heal me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for every person who made that choice. Thank you for showing them. If you haven't showed it yet, let them wait and show them, Lord, so that they can become free of this thing. And if that wound has to do with another person that caused that wound, I want you to see that person standing right in front of you now. And by the power of Jesus, you can do this. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do this. You can forgive them. I want you to see that person. Maybe it was a parent or a family member or a stranger. Just look at them and say, what you've done hurt me. It caused a wound. But today I choose in the name of Jesus to forgive you and to set you free because I have been forgiven by Jesus. And He loves you too. And He wants you to be in His family as well. But today I choose to forgive you, to release you, and to be set free. Jesus, I thank you right now that you break bitterness, unforgiveness over every life in this place and online. Every, every bit of hurt that has been caused, every wound, every lie that the enemy is able to hang on to because of that hurt, we just cancel that right now in the name of Jesus. And I call everyone free in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that you do a special supernatural work in every heart, mind, and spirit of everyone listening right now. In Jesus' name. And we all say amen. And we praise God. Hallelujah. Praise Him. Praise Him. Rejoice. He is alive. He is good. He is God. Amen and amen. Thank you, guys. We love you. Thank you so much for being part of this. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you. May you have an amazing week. Bless your marriage, bless your family and your work. If you want prayer, if you want to talk to somebody, please come to the front and say so. Or make an appointment with us. We'd love to, to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening God to the Love Key so Church much. Message of the Week. We trust Amen. that you Thank found you that encouraging, inspiring, hopefully challenging in a good way. 
and that you will come back next week to listen again. Please remember to like, follow and subscribe and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging and inspiring to you. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and your family. Bye-bye.